0: i think we needed that you needed to have that tension where like the young people were so eager to make change and to to really like push 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 almost to like to the to the uh to the disadvantage of what had already what the progress that had already been made at robin island but at the same time, you still needed the older generation to, to also pull them back and, and try to say, hey, this is a long game here. I understand that you want to make change right away, but you know, understand that we have to run this like a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. But you needed both of those sides, like the older generation saying, hey, slow down, and the uh, younger generation saying, hey, speed up. And then that tension is where progress is made. And I think that's what, that was the thing that he said, that he said that was so poignant and stuck with me to this day about like, you know, and we all deal with that, right? Like in our lives, in terms of you want things to improve, you want to be better, you want to be, you know, you want to be wealthier, you want to be healthier, you want to be, you know, all of these things. and, And you want it to happen now, but at the same time, like you also still need to be patient. And it's very hard to deal with that, especially as you're growing up um, as an adult, like in your 20s. I know that a lot of young people, they deal with that where they they feel like they're they're far behind in life. But as you get older, you realize like, you know, things are where they need to be. But, you know, you, you needed both of those sides ultimately to kind of push you to where you are today.
1: Off the Mass Podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Today's guest is Jonathan Santiago. Uh, Jonathan is a marketer and a creator. And in this conversation, we talk about traveling, we talk about family, we talk about adventure, we talk about figuring out who we are and identity. Uh, Jonathan talks about like traveling to over 30 countries. And visiting the world and exploring what's out there. You know, when we were talking about traveling, you know, uh, one of the stories that came to my mind is um, this one trip I took to Mexico, um, met some friends in Mexico City uh, that I I met brand new. And they invited me to a trip to go to Huautla de Jimenez. That's uh, where Maria Sabina's home is. And it was a wild adventure. And one of the things that I experienced when we got to Huatla de Jimenez was that uh, we got off the bus and we were walking through the mountains. Now, I like outdoors, so and it was kind of rainy. So, you know, no big deal. But all of a sudden I got on the road and I'm like, hmm, where am I? First of all, I don't know where I am. I'm following the people I met. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't have a map. I don't know. I don't know the. Uh, we're going to a guy named Don Ho, Don Julio, <laughs> Don Julio. That's his name. I didn't think about it to halfway on this road, walking an hour. That Don Julio is the name of a tequila. And I'm like, do are we? Am I safe? <laughs> it, it was it. It was hours into the trip. we already took an eight hour bus ride from Mexico City to Oaxaca. I am now walking on a wet, rainy road, and now I'm scared. Now I'm like. What did I just do? Like At no point before did, my, did any of my intu- intuitions say this is not a good idea. But in this moment, looking for Don Julio's house, <laughs> I'm wondering what's going on. And then we pop out of another turn. They said, we're almost there. We're almost there. And my 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 little, I guess you can call it anxiety was picking up. I was worried. I was starting to get worried. And we pop out of the mount, uh, the side of this hill, and they said, There it is, right there, Don Julio's house. And Don Julio came out, and his wife came out, and his son came out, and they were like, Hey, they didn't know me. They knew the other guys, and they were like, Welcome back. Bienvenidos. Que milagro. And I was like, Whew. And I don't even know where the fear came from, but I, I think sometimes I just want to trust. I want to fully trust and. And sometimes, have you ever had a time where you felt like you trusted and it went wrong? Maybe that's where some of my fear came up. I'm really excited about this conversation because as we talk about not only our mask, we get to talk about family, and sometimes our family is looking to us to be that for us—that the trusting figure. And sometimes you were wonder, is it? The family I would have created, I would have designed if I had the the, the magic pen to design it. Um, but knowing that it's the family I got and how do I make the most of it? So I'm excited for Jonathan to be a part of this conversation. I'm excited for you to be along this journey with us. And if you haven't yet made a mask, we invite you to go do so at 100kmasks.com. 100kmasks.com. Be a part of the Million Mask Movement. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you. Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Today's guest is Jonathan Santiago, um, and Jonathan is going to tell you all about his background. Um, but I'm really excited to connect with Jonathan on this call. Um, he has a podcast that I've been listening to, and. Um, we were on a call the other day, and I was I, I asked him would he be willing to to be on the show, and I'm glad that he was willing to. So, Jonathan, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me on, Ashanti. It's it's nice, to, you know, it's very like serendipitous that we we managed to connect again uh, recently, and um, you know, glad to be on the show. I, I was very. Uh, i was very honored when you when we connected that you had mentioned that you listened to my show um you know' I had, it's the first time i've gotten a chance to connect with a, a listener of my show but um, it's awesome to be a guest here on yours
1: right on, man well will you tell folks about you and tell them what information you would like them to know uh, i really like the guests to do the intro and share what is it about them that um, they want people to to know about them and um, and then we'll jump right in
0: yeah, well, I mean, for everybody out there listening, obviously, you know, how how Ashanti and I connected is actually I work for a company called Video Husky. And we, um, you know, our mission is to help Video creators achieve their dreams, you know, in terms of building their audiences and offloading the the heavy lifting that is video editing. And so Ashanti is actually somebody who started working with us recently, and, um, you know, that's how we got connected. But I've been working with Video Husky and in this content creator space now for a little more than a year and a half um, I have a background in in marketing and 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 content and stuff. I used to actually my career originally started in journalism, um, covering professional sports, uh, way back almost like a decade ago. I'm originally I'm from the uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, but I spent a lot of my twenties actually out in the Sacramento area where I covered the NBA Sacramento Kings and was around that team for for quite some while. And then, uh, then my career in life took me to Las Vegas, where I—that's where I actually ended up, uh, you know, initially getting my first, my my feet wet in in marketing, uh, doing some stuff for a hospitality group there called Hakkasan Group, and they have quite a few restaurants, um, some nightlife options out there on the Las Vegas Strip and worldwide, and uh, was there for a year, and then uh, after that, um, my life kind of took me on this different kind of path where. I started to travel quite a bit more, and in 2016, I spent basically half the year just backpacking through Europe. I left that job in Las Vegas, um, you know, to to go and kind of uh, vagabond for for a little more than half a year, and uh, that really opened my eyes up to you know the way people do things uh, around the world, the, the different different ways that that people are living life, um, and so I had actually been spending the last few years, um, just kind of bouncing around from, from place to place and then COVID hit. And I've just basically been in California ever since. And that's where I am now, like working working here with, uh, with Video Husky and, and, and basically out here trying to help uh, content creators do their thing.
1: Well, you know, I think most people who, who have seen our work um, knows that one of the things that I find sometimes challenging is me sharing my own work. Like I make all these videos on my phone, and then I'm just like, oh, I don't want to just throw it out there like that. And so um, I'm really excited that uh, that in this, what what's gonna happen next is taking a lot of this content and beginning to get it, get it used, and not only used but get it put out in the world. Um, you know, which was what my original intent of creating it was. And I think I just began to overthink it, and, uh, and I'm excited. So you know, the wor- part of my own mask is like this mask of what do I got to say? Well, like, why do people want to mm. listen to me? Like even just yeah. getting out of my own way of, of letting the content just go free. Just like, don't, don't even edit it. Just put it out. Just whatever. It doesn't matter. And uh, thinking that it always does matter, or at least that's a story I tell myself. So I'm, I'm excited that we're uh, in this conversation because the work that we try and help people do around masks is what is it that you are letting people see? And what are the mm. things that you're not talking about that's stuff having behind the mask? So, you and I are gonna go through the adventure together, or at least the mask activity together. Uh-huh. You ready for that?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Okay, fantastic. All right, so you got a piece of paper handy? Got a piece of yes, paper? Yes, I handy? do. Okay. I got a
0: piece of paper right here.
1: All right, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab. Okay, um, there's an incense. I don't know. Can you? See, you... <laughs> this got <kind> of funny. <laughs> do you see? Do you see smoke? Do you see smoke? No, I don't see oh, that. I don't, oh. I don't see anything actually. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I was like, there's like a stream of smoke. Like, I was like, "Am, am I? On, is this house on, is on fire?" No, it's not fire. <laughs> it's an incense over there, and uh, the smoke is pretty thick. It was pretty pretty interesting. I was like, "Did somebody see the smoke?" Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're gonna do is, you and I are just—it's three steps. This activity, you know, we've done this activity with thousands of people from more than forty countries who have made wow. masks. We've collected over fifty thousand masks, mm-hmm. um, and st- it's three steps. So the first step. Uh, on the left side of the paper, we're going to just label, maybe fold the paper in half. Fold, if you have a piece of paper, just fold it in half or draw a line down the middle. And that's what we're going to pretty much um, uh, show together after we finish. And the left side, I want you just to call it the front.
0: Should I have it horizontal or,
1: or portrait like this? Uh, uh, probably horizontal would be easier just because you're going to okay. do left and right. Yeah, you'll do okay, left cool. and right. So you'll have the front. Got it. Well, I've got the on. line in the middle. Okay. And then on the left side, we're going to call it the front. And the right side, we're going to call it the back.
0: Okay. And,
1: and the front and the back of mask. Um, now, when we talk about mask, we're talking about, like, uh, whatever you think a mask looks like, you know, I would like you to, on the left side, the first step is to draw a mask. So the first step is on the left side, where it says front of mask, draw a mask.
0: Okay. 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 Just like an actual mask,
1: uh-huh. whatever you draw is gonna be perfect. Yeah, so yeah, we, you know, we've been doing this campaign for what since two thousand fifteen, or we started making masks in two thousand fifteen. But uh, only recently has <laughs> when we go to schools and they make masks, everyone's drawing a personal protection mask. You know?
0: Oh yeah. But <laughs> but
1: we're but we're thinking of like but taking but originally it was just well what's what kind of masks do you think of when you but. Um, what what masks are out there in the world that you would that you would draw, right? So don't show sure, right? you don't, don't, don't show sure yet oh, don't sure show yet do yeah not sure not yeah not not okay no, gotcha. you're fast you're fast let me let me, let me get let me get caught up I'm
0: talking I just drew I drew something very simple because I was okay. thinking of like Jim Carrey the mask that movie nice. from back in the day <laughs> that's right that, that, man
1: uh, maybe a, <laughs> thank you for mentioning him that's, that's hilarious <laughs> yeah I, I actually happened to see that movie the other day recently oh really. Uh, well, it was on some show. I was like, yes. It, it was one of my favorite movies before I um been doing any of this work around masks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we got a mask. Now, okay. you, on, on the left side, you're going to write three words. The left side is, which is the front of the mask. What are three qualities and characteristics of yourself that you gladly let the world see? Okay. So what are three qualities and characteristics about yourself that you gladly... Let the world see and write those anywhere on the left side.
0: Okay. Okay. I got so three down.
1: All right. So that's the front of the mask. Um, and now we're gonna move to the back of the mask. And the back of the mask is different than the front of the mask. The back of the mask are three things you normally don't let people see.
0: Things mm, you don't. Okay.
1: You don't. You normally don't talk about, but. Three that you feel comfortable sharing here today. Three things you need. Okay.
0: Dang, this is kind of tricky. (laughs) (laughs) Is this this the part that's hard for your guests? It's like trying to figure this out. Like, what are you comfortable with sharing, right? Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that, yes, yes. Because normally when we do activities and workshops, and like today with workshop, we, you know, when students are writing, I think they're also thinking that well what, what are we gonna have to do with these cards? You know, you already know the, the the finish line that we're gonna share them, but in the in the workshops they don't know. So they're they're writing and then you're like, Okay, pass them in, right? And they're like, oof, right? Um, yeah. but then we we end up picking some random ones and sharing them out, you know. But um, I think in this case, yeah, it's like, well, what what am I willing to let people see that I don't usually talk about? Um and, and I think you want to think of a spectrum. So, you know, there's the things that you just, that don't come up. Maybe you'd be willing to talk about them, but they just don't usually come up because no people don't ask about them. And then you have, oh, you yeah. know, the, the extreme things that you have just chosen never to talk about. So it's not, it's not asking people to share things they don't want to share. It's just.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That's, are, that helps. Okay.
1: Right on. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah. I think what are the things you just don't usually share, but it's, you know, also an opportunity to, you know, you and I will get to know each other a lot better in this conversation, you know?
0: All right. Hmm. Okay. I think, uh, I, I think I have three. I think I got <laughs> those three down. Okay. I don't know if these will, I don't know if these will work, but hopefully they do. <laughs> well,
1: they, they, it is, it's perfect. Whatever you create, whatever you write, it's going to be perfect. Um, It's really about just building that space for connection, you know? So, Jonathan, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Sharing the mask. Yeah, I'd be happy to go first. Okay. So just share the front and um, if anything you want to say about the front, you can say it and and we'll go from there.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, on the front, the three things that I put down were just – Empathy slash kindness, um, intelligence, art, art, um, articulating, um, and curiosity. All right. Anything you want to say about the front before we move to the before I move to my front? Uh, no. I think I'm I'm good. Well, I'm okay. curious to see what you said for yourself. Okay. All right.
1: Well, here's the front of the mask. The front is. Let me see. Passionate. Caring and dedicated. Those are the parts of myself that I, 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 I let people see.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And I was trying to decide when I, after I wrote passionate, I was like, today I was um, in a workshop today, like um, one of the, the um, our team members who shared a story before mine, uh, I didn't know he was going to share that, the story he shared. And it like, it hit me. Like it hit mm. me, like hit me emotionally. And I was like, Oh boy, like it was one of the moments where you're like, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to follow that story, right? Um, and he spoke about a really personal story about his mom, and I was like, Oh goodness! And I just felt it. My the wave of emotion happened, and I was, you know, it's a hundred and fifty, you know, seventeen and eighteen year olds, sixteen and seventeen year olds, you know, middle mm. juniors, and I was like. Okay, Shanti. you got, you got, you got to finish this presentation. You got. I mean, I'm barely starting. It's like the first like 20 minutes of the workshop, and I'm like, and I'm like, feeling myself tearing up. And I'm like, hmm. And I just told everybody, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm really feeling that. I'm really, I didn't, I didn't know he was going to tell that story, and I, and I appreciate it. And I just had a moment of just like, really, like just be, being human right there in that moment, but also just trying to. Also thinking, I'm 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 at work, right? Like, I mean, my work is to be open and clear and oh, and caring and passionate. But you know, passionate is like I still got to get the thing done. So I was like in that moment of like, oh my goodness, to you better hope, better pull it together, pull it together. And and I was able to pull it together in a, a couple of you know minutes. But it was really, it felt beautiful just to watch, look at the eyes in the audience, and they were looking at me and just with just 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 with 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 with, with care, right? Because mm-hmm. You know, normally if I'm going to tell a story that's really powerful, I I am preparing myself that I'm going to tell it, but I need to hold it to a level so I don't, you know, so I don't lose control on stage. You know, I'm literally on stage. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And so, yeah, that's what. So, And then dedicated was like, you know, I think being able to. Being dedicated to the work. Right. And my younger, when I was their age, I would never let anybody see me cry ever mm, 16 yeah. years old 17, man you tripping yeah <laughs> but now it's like i'm dedicated to like helping young people break free so i i need to demonstrate what it's like to break free from that emotional mask if i'm going to expect them to know that it's okay to do it right like i think yes yes yeah yeah, yeah so that, that's to, that's the
0: fruit. you have to show you have to show vulnerability. I think it's always but you know we talk about like the idea. a lot of people talk about the idea of like earning trust or or things like that. but I think like people have to it's best when you take the onus upon yourself to try and 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 build and foster trust with with others, you know, rather than like, you know this whole approach of having your arms crossing, like you got to prove yourself to me, you know, <laughs> like it's just like, why don't you, why don't you prove yourself to the other person? Right. And, and that's kind of like showing that you're, your leader in that sense, because if you're taking that first step, that first move, then others will follow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and the hope is that, that it, it, it comes off as not a planned, Oh, now it's time to cry. It's not, so, yeah. Ooh, it's not like, stage. yeah. It's not staged. Yeah, it's not staged. It's
0: not faking it. It's yeah. just like, it's like you're feeling. You're in the. You're in that moment. You're feeling the emotions, and right. you're just kind of letting it, you know, wash over you. And you're you're in it, right? Rather than like, um, you know, again, like, rather than just trying to stage it for this moment, Like, oh, this is cue the waterworks here. Like, you're not trying to do that at all. That's right,
1: that, and that, that's definitely not anywhere near where my and today was when I when I when it happened. It was like, oh my goodness! I literally it was like one of the moments where I was like, oh, like I usually know when it's gonna come or like not know when it's gonna come. Like it's one of the ones where it shocks you, right? It's like, oh boy, oh boy. And this one had a a lot of a, gr- a group of young men that came in all together. They were a bunch of group of friends, and you know, even though I'm an adult, like you watch that energy and i know uh where i was at that age i'm like what It's a man crying here what's going on with this there's no men don't cry right that's what i would have said if i was 17 you know so i think that having that making that space for them to just be human and to know that it's gonna be hard for some of them it's gonna be hard for them to get to that place i wasn't there when i was their age so i get it not being there and i hope they find it soon the space where they can be fully themselves so yeah man that's the front and and I man, just take a deep breath, maybe. Just take a deep breath because we're gonna move into the back now. And, and, you're,
0: and you're going first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. Uh well, on the back. Did I was I supposed to draw another mask there too, by the way? No, no. The back okay has no mask. No. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um again, you might not be able to see this like that well, but I basically wrote um uh race and just being an Asian American person uh here in this country in in the US uh i think the second thing that i wrote about was um what it means to be a man in the present day um in this society that we live in what is masculinity and then the third thing that i wrote down was money mm. And these are things that I think most when you when you told me earlier, like it, they can be things that, you know, you may be thinking about or but you don't really get often asked about or or you get to show because there isn't necessarily like a curiosity about that. These are some of the things that come to mind um, because they're they're obviously something. I mean, it's ironic, right? I when I'm looking at this, I'm just spitballing here, but these are things that are like the, the that I put on the back of my mask, but there are things like that are so obvious and in front, like you can see that I'm an Asian American person. You can see that I am a man. Um, and and money is like always, you know, a topic of, you know, it's always a, a topic that is on the minds of people, yet it's like a very sensitive subject that I think people are afraid to talk about because it can, you know, it can be like, it It can serve as like an indicator of how well or how well you haven't done in life, um, which to me is kind of not, that's that's not, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be comparing yourself to others in regards to how much money you have. You should kind of be playing that game, comparison game with yourself, if mm. that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, but
0: well, wouldn't it, but wouldn't it?
1: Oh, no, it's great. It's, yeah, thank you for saying that. Because I think about money a lot, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> more on the side of not having money, right? More on the yeah. side of like wanting to make more and like yeah. uh, growing up wanting to be rich and working hard to you know go to college to get a career that was going to make me a lot of money, and then leaving that career to go become a teacher was mm-hmm. a big, a big decision, right? It was a big, it was a big decision. It was, it was also a big ego. A kick in the you know like it was like oh like I can tell how people respond and how they act when I used to tell them I am an engineer compared to I tell them I'm a teacher mm. right and now that I run a nonprofit it's like oh okay I, mean, I don't <laughs> know how far down the scale you can go and i'm like in terms of financial well being when you're like what but I think that I, I remember feeling I remember the feeling. Definitely the first two years afterwards, and I just you know oh yeah, and I, would, I would, then I would throw in oh well, I, you know I was an engineer and and now I teach right. I'd always have to like the role. I feel like I felt the need to throw that in there because I didn't really like the way people were like oh you're so noble of you to be a teacher oh that's so such a great thing you're doing. But when I'm an engineer, you you know if nothing else, you know I'm smart or. You know, perce- perceivably, <laughs> and and I and I I make good money. Mm-hmm. When I'm a teacher, it, it felt like it was like a pity. It was like, oh wow, thank you for doing that, right? Yeah, like yeah. the job that no one wants to do, right? And I uh, I think that um that that was hard. So when you think about money, I think that's one that um yeah people uh, people don't talk about. And with my friends, I think when you know when we were in engineering, we talked about money because who got the bonus with the bonus, Okay. You're going to make it. Who's going to make it to six figures first. Right. We were all out of, out of college just trying to, you know, and then I, I leave and go the opposite direction. Like, I don't want to talk about this at this lunch. Let's not yeah. talk about, let's not talk about the money game right now. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm going the other direction right now, you know, unfortunately, you know, but, um, right. Did you feel do, you, do you, around money just, and I'm, I'm going to share the back of mind, but I just want to say, do, do you feel like you don't talk about it? because people have a hard time hearing about it or it's just a conversation that just in your, in the group of people who you kind of spend most time with, they don't talk about money. Is money hard th- to talk about.
0: I think it's more of like the first thing you said. Um, you know, I I'll talk about it with, you know, people if they're, if they're open to it. But at the same time, I also, am just very sensitive uh, about the idea of, of broaching it just because again, like people have, different kinds of relationships with it. Like, I think, you know, if you, if you grew up with a very, in a, in a place where money was very scarce, then like you could have a very maybe like abusive relationship with money as you, as you, uh, get older. And then see, even then if you have it in abundance and stuff like that, but you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I just, it's, it's something that, um, again, like, I think about a lot, and I think about it in in the sense of of trying to do, trying to, trying to approach money in in a way where I am, like I I'm I'm managing it, I'm in control of it, it's not controlling me, right? I think that oftentimes the conversation around money is feeling like I can never feel like I can get a grasp on on it, um, but I think like there's. There are principles, at least from now, for me, like what I've learned in recent years. There are principles that you can learn to figure out how to have more of a handle uh, on your finances, uh, because there are certain things that I, I believe that you can control w- in regards to money, especially in, in, when it comes to spending. Like that's probably the one variable that can be controlled versus, say, you know, the idea of how much money you make. We can't always like predict. You know when we're gonna get the next bonus or if we're gonna get a raise or anything like that but how much you decide to spend is I think definitely something uh you know within your within your grasp there mm.
1: I used to um uh, meet with a group of financial like people who spend a lot of time working on finances and they said it's not about how much money you make it's how much you keep yeah right? that's that's what they say right so you if you, if you make ten dollars and you spend ten dollars and one cent you're going to constantly be in, in debt. Right. Um, um, and I think that that's, uh, yeah, those are the thoughts around that. I I mean, maybe we'll come back to some, maybe you'll, you'll have some thoughts, but maybe we'll come back to the other ones that you shared. Um, I'll share the back of mine. So then, and then we can just let the conversation take it where it needs to go. Um, okay, sure. All right. So on the back of mine, I wrote, um, Mm. um, my brother's mental health getting older, and the cost of building a big organization. Mm -hmm. I meant not the financial cost, but more of just, like, um, as our team is getting bigger, you know, we're 10 people now, and it's, like, you know, when it's small, you can check in with everybody every day almost. You can check in, see how they're doing, and then, you know, I mean, we're only 10 right now, so it's not really big, but, like, I realized, oh, I haven't talked to this person in, like, two days, Mm -hmm. like, you know? Like, hmm. And because some people are working remote in different situations, but what happens when you move to 20, 40, 50? I mean, I, there may be people on the team I don't even know. And I'm and I'm and I'm talking about in small scale because we're we're a small organization growing, but but I feel that thought, right? I feel that thought of like what are the other external costs, what are the additional costs of of a big organization when you're um, when you're growing, that growing phase, right? I mean it's already growing pains of just growing itself, right? Raising enough money to be able to make sure you Pay everybody and make sure you pay people a living wage and pay them well and all those things. Um, it's been it's been more in my mind recently. I didn't even realize until a couple of weeks ago that I was managing ten people because mm. I'm just sometimes going just so fast. And um, we brought on our first full time hire, and we just have a lot of things have been getting more organized, and it's been like beautiful to watch. And I'm like, oh goodness, like I was trying to keep, I was keeping a whole lot of different tops spinning you know you imagine you keep a bunch of tops spinning um you sometimes are not you're just doing the thing to keep it moving you're not really paying attention to it and now you got to see from the outside like oh okay that top is not you know i'm not trying to describe people as tops but i'm saying <laughs> the sense of like um like how do you be more efficient with what you're doing as an organization you know as you're as you're growing um
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the other one i'll speak about is my brother's mental with hell that um my brother showed up at my house this morning at midnight asking for some food and a ride. Mm. And I'm like, dude, do you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's after midnight. Like, what are you talking about? Like, why? And I know I don't want him walking around the streets of Oakland in, in that, you know, knowing what he's already that navigating with. But I'm also irritated. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also, like, frustrated that he's, like, mm-hmm. not respecting my time and how much have you disrespected my time? Do you get your disrespecting my time, and or are you just kind of in your own head and getting what you you need or want, right? And right. And I and I have those conversations, and I think they don't they don't they don't do any good. But yeah, I was really that that's really present on my mind. I don't talk much about it, but it it weighs on me, especially when I have to go drive him somewhere at one in the morning, and I'm now exhausted, and you know it just it it just it's one of those things where. You know, I love him. I want him to be safe, but also I'm like, how do you hold him accountable? And how do you hold somebody accountable it's, if you don't know so that hard. they can get the accountability, right? So
0: Yeah, it's so yeah. hard. I think it's like, you know, that situation that you're describing reminds me, actually, I have an uncle who is like that, my my mom's older brother. And unfortunately, he has kind of been in a place where he has been meandering, I think, throughout most of his adult life. Um, and, you know, God bless my mom for being the responsible one and, and offering him a place to stay at times throughout his life, especially after my grandmother passed away several years ago. Um, but after a while, it's like, you can't, you know, if, if, if he's not following the the rules or doing the right things and it's like, Hey man, you can't. You can't stay here for that much longer at this house, like at my mom's place. You can't you can't stay here like and keep doing the things like habitually crossing the line that you that you continue to cross, like, but then you let them go and then you still kind of worry about their well being, you know. Like I remember even running into him uh like two years ago. Um, I was back in California from I was uh you know traveling abroad and was back here for a little bit, little bit and I remember going to a gym to go work out nearby gym and I was sitting in the sauna and I saw this man like just putting stuff you know in the locker and one of the lockers there he looked pretty frail and and whatnot and then I I like squinted and I'm like I think that's my uncle mm-hmm. and then I got out of the sauna I'm like hey how are you? He's like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "Oh, you know I'm doing okay and blah blah blah. Try, trying to act like everything is fine, but I know that he's more than likely been homeless at that point mm-hmm. like why are you why are you carrying all these knickknacks around and little bags and stuff and storing them here in this locker at at a monthly at a monthly gym membership, you know mm-hmm. um place. so it's very, yeah, it's kind of disheartening to see that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, man, like what else can, what else can we do when we, you know, people like my mother and and other people have tried to like offer you help. But at the same time, like you're not, you're not running with it in, in the right way. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that it's really interesting because I, I, because I experienced it in, in, in first person, right. It's like mm-hmm. how much of it when I, when I, when I talk to my brother about things, how much of it is controllable, right? If you have a, a, a mental disorder, um, if you have, my brother has a a schizophrenia, Mm. um, paranoid Mm. schizophrenia, right? So how much of it is actually, so I I have to be, sometimes I'm upset. Sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes it comes later and it comes and sometimes I'm just not in the mood (laughs) and I'm like, dude like what is going on but i think i always wonder like how much of it is controllable right like like i would much rather him come to a safe place than to to, to meander and i wonder cuz i don't i don't know and i've read a lot about it but i'm also like do you understand do you understand that this is cause like do you understand others emotions if you have a place in your if you have a situation where you don't even recognize others emotions do you notice that like I'm pissed off right now? Like do you notice that I'm like really upset? Or are you just like, Can I can I get something to eat? You know? Like 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 with with no with like no care in the world. And I'm like mm-hmm. and I have to like catch myself. I'm like, okay, Shanti, you gotta you gotta try and, you gotta be more patient. Be more patient. And 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 I, and I'm human and I'm also frustrated, right? So I think it's the dance between trying to understand trying to understand it and knowing that I know so many people out there who are just, you know, walking in the streets. In Oakland, we have a huge homeless situation. Yep. And a yep. lot of the homeless here in the Bay Area um, have mental um, difficulties or dealing with mental disabilities that are, and you're just like, I'm like, man, do you know that you're not wearing any clothes? Do you, do, you, do this, not my brother, but this like when I see people out, I'm like, and, I, and my heart like breaks in the sense that I wonder, I wonder, does anybody really love them? Like, does anybody... Because I know my brother, he'll, he'll push every button I got. He knows all my buttons, you know? I don't know if he intentionally pushes them, but I do know that uh, <laughs> he has a good habit of pushing them all, you know? Sometimes you at the same time, you know? <laughs> you're like, yeah, dude, if, you know, like, in that moment, you're just like, okay, what's well, going to... Me mean, just making him leave right here at, you know, midnight, it means he's walking, you know, how many ever miles to his place in a city that i know is not safe dangerous and i wouldn't even want to walk around in in the city at night right so i think it's just a yeah i i feel it i feel it and thank you for sharing about your uncle i really appreciate that i think those are the things that you know i don't i don't talk about much i don't i think about it a lot but i it's just more like in the back of my mind like i hope he's okay i hope he you know yeah, and, yeah. What's
0: well, I think it's the tough part about it for you and and myself and everybody out there, even if you don't have a loved one who is who is like your brother or like my uncle. You know, my uncle probably also has some mental health issues as well. Is just when we see uh, homeless people and whatnot, it's like mm-hmm. there is this tension in you that wants to do something, but but at the same time, like. There's that te- that tension is is wanting to do something, but then also feeling like what you do in that moment is probably still not going to be enough to like change this major problem that they have. Mm-hmm. And then we also we often just end up retreating and 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 kind of just walking away with like our head down and and feeling like helpless to it. That's what so that's what's that's what to me is like the hardest part about the homeless. Epidemic that we have here in this country, in the US, is like, you want to, people want to help, but like, okay, I could give you like $10 or something, but how does that actually, how does that actually help you really get back on your feet? You know, like that might be enough to get you a meal or something at McDonald's, but then you're still at ground zero, right? And so a lot of people end up, yeah, and they end up like not doing anything um and then they feel bad they feel like oh gosh does this make me a terrible person because i didn't mm-hmm. want to like you know extend my hand in, in terms of giving him a little bit of something mm-hmm. here or a little bit of something there and and it's it, i don't feel that that it that is the case uh but it's just because it's just a complex problem that like requires more than just doing you know the the bare minimum really you know yeah and thinking about that,
1: that, that situation where you, I, I want to give, I don't want, how is it going to help? How is it going to help the big problem? How, how, how have you reconciled the part of yourself that wants to help, but also has that, that dissonance? Like, what, what have you, what do you do to just navigate the dissonance, you know?
0: I just accept it. I've come to accept that there's a lot of like tension and like you like you're saying dissonance. I usually like to call it like tension, internal tension. Um, You know, I think that's that's just normal. I think that's just part of the human experience. You know, I, I I will tell you a story that I think kind of really brought my my mind to a place to accept the idea of this tension or dissonance. That we fight with cognitive dissonance, that we fight with internally, um, to light for me was I when I went to South Africa a couple of years ago. I traveled to South Africa. I was staying in Cape Town for about a month, and part of that experience for me was going to um, Robben Island, where Nelson Mandela spent, you know, more than two decades, I believe, in prison there. Right, as a political prisoner, as they were fighting against apartheid out there. And the amazing thing, if anybody has never been to Robben Island about the experience when you go on a tour there, is that you actually are toured the facilities by former political prisoners. So the tour guide who was taking us around, you know, answering our questions about his experiences there, and he had this really like poignant story that stuck with me um, to this day about, um, his time there in, in Robin Island, you know, he was of the generation that came to Robin Island a little bit after Mandela, right? I think he came, Mandela was in prison there in the 1960s, early 1960s. Um, This gentleman was in prison there in the 1970s. So he's a younger, younger person. It's almost like the difference between millennials and Gen Z this day, these days, or Gen X or boomers or whatnot, right? It's different, different ideas. Um, but they were still fighting the same problems. And so when his generation arrived at the prison, they looked around and they said, what are you guys doing? Did you give up? You know, look at these conditions. What are you, you are okay with living like this? And they were upset that, like, it seemed as if the uh, the older generation had, had basically, um, you know, slowed down, I guess, on making progress in their minds. But... And and so they decided to go and take it upon their hands to kind of push for more change and push back against, you know, the 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 prison system there. And but what they didn't realize is that the older generation, Mandela's generation, had the perspective of like, look, dude, we've been here for like more than a decade or so. Like, yeah, it's not great, but compared to where it was when we first started. It is much better, like you now actually have a mat to sleep on versus like I was just sleeping on a concrete floor when I first got here, right? Mm-hmm. like I wasn't even eating much, and now I have you know i I have like an actual piece of bread to eat um but the thing that this uh you know tour guide, former prisoner there said was like to me he's like. I think we needed that. You needed to have that tension where, like, the young people were so eager to make change and to to really like push, 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 almost to like to the to the uh, to the disadvantage of what had already what the progress that had already been made at Robin Island. But at the same time, you still needed the older generation to to also pull them back and and try to say, "Hey, this is a long game here. I understand that you want to make change right away." but you know understand that we have to run this like a marathon not a sprint mm-hmm. but you needed both of those sides like the older generation saying hey slow down and the uh, younger generation saying hey speed up and then that tension is where progress is made and i think that's what that was the thing that he said to, that he said that was so poignant and stuck with me to this day about like you know and we all deal with that right like in our lives in terms of you want things to improve, you want to be better, you want to be, you know, you want to be wealthier, you want to be healthier, you want to be, you know, all of these things and and you want it to happen now. But at the same time like you also still need to be patient. And it's very hard to deal with that, especially as you're growing up um as an adult like in your 20s, I know that a lot of young people they deal with that where they they feel like they're they're far behind in life, but yeah. as you get older you realize like you know things are where they need to be but you know you you needed both of those sides ultimately to kind of push you to where you are today yeah you know th-
1: th- thank you for thank you for sharing that story first of all I- i've never been there i've only been to nigeria so mm. um i have not yet been to robin island and i do plan to go one day i, I- i'm re- i'm looking at the notes here and and i think i am not gone to Kenya either, uh, which is I know there's one of the the last, I think it's called the, I forgot the name of the, the dungeons there where they held a lot of the, um, the slaves, you know, and, and they mm. were, you know, being able to shipping them off to the Western world, you know? And I think thinking about that, thinking about, you know, what um, Mandela was fighting for and what, what he stood for and what, Things how his his name holds this idea of of, of trying to push towards progress even mm-hmm. in the midst of odds, right? Um, I get one question I was asking and, and coming back to what you shared on the back of your mask is, um, when you wrote, um, did you write did you write Asian or did you write did you write your actual nationality?
0: I, I, I put Asian what, American, but Asian I'm American. actually like Filipino Filipino yeah. American.
1: Yeah. Yeah. did, did that like when you were there like as you were seeing what was happening in South Africa and just in the in the in, the, in that did did that you were traveling all around Europe so you saw it all kinds of different cultures and even mm-hmm. if they were more european cultures where they don't look always that different on the outside but very different you know culturally yes. food community you know just the way the commu- the city looks and things like that mm-hmm. how how, how I guess, how does that connect to, to what you wrote on the back? How does that is does is that connect in any way? Like you're exploring of all these different things and being taken in those stories of, of different cultures. Does that speak to any of the part of what you put, the reason why you put Asian America on the back?
0: Uh, yeah, I think maybe to a certain degree. Um, you know, I think I, I, I mean, like traveling and whatnot, especially as an Asian American, as an Asian person, like I often have not seen like that many. Well, now you do, but historically in the past before social media, you didn't really see people, you know, like going out and backpacking the world who, who looked like me. (laughs) You know, I think there are people like in media such as like, you know, the late great Anthony Bourdain or his friend and former colleague andrew zimmern and all these other people who Mm -hmm. who have these amazing travel shows and whatnot rick steves right like they're they're awesome but like they're white guys (laughs) like there's nobody like me who i can see and those guys inspired me but at the same time like their experience say if when they're walking through europe they can blend in when i'm Mm -hmm. walking through some streets in poland where everyone's white I'm sitting I'm walking through the old town of Krakow like I'm like the only brown asian person there, you know. Yeah. Um and so that that that's probably like what it is. I mean, it was interesting for me to be in Asia in 2019. I spent pretty much mm-hmm. the whole year there before COVID happened. Mm-hmm. I was living in Indonesia. I was in Bali for, for six months out there. I spent a month in Vietnam living in Ho Chi Minh. I spent a month in Bangkok living out there. And that was the longest I had ever spent time in Asia. also went back to the Philippines too, you know, to, to visit cousins and stuff like that out there. But, um, you know, there was something about that experience when I'm in Asia. I'm like, oh, wow, I feel like this is where... I belong or something because mm. I blend in here. Like even when I'm in Vietnam, like I could pass for a, v- I could definitely pass for an Indonesian person, you know, a Malaysian person when I was in Kuala Lumpur, you know, because yeah. Filipinos and Malaysians and Indonesians, we all kind of come, I think, from that same Malay heritage. And so mm. it was cool to like, to, to experience that because yeah, oftentimes, I mean, I think here in the States, the conversation about race doesn't include Asian people, to be honest. I think you're starting to see that change. You know, we're starting to see more of us in the mainstream culture, you know, and like popular culture, right? You had like crazy rich Asians that was such a big movie mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. We just had our first Marvel superhero with Shang-Chi, right? The great Simo Liu, who started his career basically like doing videos on youtube and it's awesome to see that happening but for the longest time like we weren't we weren't really seen and even if we were seen it was in a very like one-dimensional way like Mm. and i think that's why you know it's important to me now these days and i admit i don't have the the right answers i try to be as articulate as possible about what it, what it means to me, like my heritage of being a Filipino American person, but being, being an Asian American here in this country. Um, but you know, as you get older, like you, you really start to understand like the gravity of it. Like my parents came and immigrated here from the Philippines. You know, my mom came as a nurse. Um, my dad came here and then you know, built his career in, in real estate. And they came, f- you know, they they started here really with like, you know, the help of their relatives who had come mm-hmm. before them. But, you know, they started from scratch, you know. Mm-hmm. And like anytime I think that things get hard for myself and other people in our, my generation as millennials or even the younger ones, and gen- I'm like, man, my parents like went through, I think like harder, like harder times like just try imagine like just completely moving to a different country and then having to adapt and and fit in with that culture you know yeah. so that is like something that is a big a big part for me that i i think about often thank you
1: well you know i definitely in our work whatever forward we um our the last interview we had was a young man um he lives on the east coast um, and. Um, Joshua Gao and what I'm really excited about in our work we, we, we try and really be intentional um, about having multiple voices in this mm-hmm. in these conversations because I think that oftentimes you know if the voice if, the vo- if we don't hear from the other voices we could assume that they don't want to be heard from or yeah. that they have chosen silence and or it's just that we're not asking any questions and yeah. i think that in these conversations even though i'm i asked you that question but we don't usually ask questions i mean relatively to questions it's more of a conversation right so i guess in in conversation you ask questions but we want you know in this work with men and talking about masculinity and talking about the masks we wear talking mm-hmm. about why do we have to why do we feel silent why do we feel that we don't get to be heard and i think part of our work and thank you for being here today is like how do we have more of these conversations where people can like process why, 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 ha, why, do we not talk about it? Why do we not have representation? You know, you're speaking about the more recent representation that's happening, but why, why is that the case? And so I just want to appreciate you for being in, in this conversation today. And, you know, as we continue to invite people to talk about their masks, how do we make it easier, more normalized that we don't have to, Operate as if we're invisible, or that no one sees us, because I think that we're we're definitely not alone. The question mm-hmm. is, if we believe we're alone, we may operate as if we're alone. So even when we see people, we just kind of like we, we may not even notice them, right? And I think that if we can begin uh, listening, uh, we use this metaphor: what we should listen twice as much as we talk. That's why we have two ears and one mouth, right?
0: Yeah. And yeah. how
1: do we begin to have more conversations where we can listen mm-hmm. more? So. Thank you for sharing it. Is there anything else you would like to share before we wrap it up here in this conversation around masks?
0: Yeah, no I mean I think you know the work that you're doing is very fascinating and it's needed in the world today, especially when it comes to 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 men right I think like masculinity the idea, the concept of masculinity is changing right like over the last how many decades or so, of course, like women have have rightfully and they should have have more of a say in in society, in the world in general. They should have more power. They should have more influence. But yeah. at the same time, that has also changed the dynamic of what what does it mean to be a man today? Because historically, what it meant to be a man was like to be the boss, to be in charge, to be this stoic figure who like shows no emotion and isn't really willing to like um put themselves out there and 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 be on the ledge potentially to to leap from and you know we need more men to be open about that to be to be vulnerable to be okay with sharing some of their insecurities whatever they feel comfortable with um because that i and i think that there are a lot of men like that you know i always felt like i was that kind of guy growing up but just because of the way the culture was you didn't feel so comfortable with like admitting some of your shortcomings because it's like oh if you do that like maybe you're you know you're not a you're not a man or something like that Mm -hmm. um and i feel like now it's ironic because i feel like there's you know there's this concept that there's just more strength and power vulnerability because when you come out and say the things that you're most afraid of, then all of a sudden it just like gives you this boost of energy, this boost of confidence to be more comfortable with who you are as a person. whether or not you know you are the person you're supposed to be, you are the person you are in that moment. That's right. And so I, I again, I applaud you for the work that you're doing with with young people out in the Bay Area. Um, and elsewhere and what you're doing with this podcast because it's definitely needed and and we need guys to understand especially young men as they grow up like it's okay to to be you know it's finding that balance of being in touch with your emotions and at the same time also taking responsibility and accountability for yourself when things don't go as planned it's it's never going to be perfect it's that that balance will never be perfect it's always like i go, go back to the idea of tension and dissonance it's always going to kind of be this yeah. seesaw uh, process but um you know that's that's just life that's how I think life is
1: yeah well i think that you you, know, you said that you 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 nailed it in the part that if we don't if we can find the ways to be able to not think that we're the only ones and that we can talk about it I think we can make it better for all men and young men, and and they we start earlier where they don't wait till they become adults and say, "Oh, wait a minute, I do feel real stuff, and I want to talk about it." We, we don't have to wait till they are already adults. Why don't we give them tools when they're younger? When they're younger, to yes, be, to be emotionally more well-rounded, right? To have a wider vocabulary of of emotions that exist and that we all feel, yeah, um, that, that are not that are not genderized, that are human emotions. Because yeah. emotions are human, right? I think that's what we try and do in this work. Yeah, so. just
0: just really leaning into that rather than resisting, you know, yeah. what you're feeling inside and things like that. I mean, I think it's, I've always felt that that is, the, like, not always, it's something that I've actually learned as I've gotten older um, to really just kind of lean into how I'm feeling in a specific moment rather than yeah. just trying to, like, got to dig myself out of this or just, like, repress it because i just think that ends up doing more harm than good in the long run and so teaching teaching people how to how to do that and how to how to do it well i think is very is very important man me too
1: well jonathan will you tell folks how you if you want if they want to connect with you or if you're in social media world and you want people to follow you will you let them know what's the best ways for them to connect and uh we'd love to have you share that right now.
0: Yeah. If people want to go and connect with me, one of the best ways really is just to visit my personal website. It's, uh, Santiago's my last name, S A N T I A G O with an S dot space. And I have some, it's my personal website. I have some blog posts up there about, um, things I often talk about with people in the past. And, you know, you can reach out to me, sign up to my email newsletter there. Um, And then, of course, like if you are interested in learning about the story strategies and experiences of content creators, um, I've interviewed quite a few YouTubers, TikTokers, one TikTok person now, but these interesting people who are building audiences for themselves online. I host a a podcast called The Video Craft Show, and uh, you can check that out at www.videocraftshow.com
1: and we'll put links to all of this in the show notes folks Jonathan thank you again for being in this conversation it's so good to dive deeper with you Um, I hope uh, I feel like I've got to know you a lot lot better and I hope uh, um, you also feel the same so thank you for being a part of the Million Mask movement and um, thank you for being here everybody see you soon Taking Off The Mess podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Editing videography is also by Ryan Louie. Graphics by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Kevin Romero. And I'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we hit this one-year anniversary We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the taking off the mask experience. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe and share. And we look forward to us continuing to offer conversations that matter. Take care. See you soon.